The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello and welcome to IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm your host, Max Scoville. And this week, we have some friendly new faces who, some of whom you might be familiar with, but others, not so much. Khalif Adams, you might know him from Spawn on Me podcast, a uh, friend of the show. We've done shows together. I don't know if we've ever done this one, but I think you've been on this one. Anyway, you're here now. Welcome, dude. Excited to be here. Excited to be rocking with you and, and, and excited to be uh, back at Beyond, making it happen with all of you. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Excited to rock. For sure. And also Cat Bailey, IGN, uh, high, high, powerful news wizard, who also was regularly on NBC. Thanks for hopping on. Hi, Max. Uh, yes, I want news wizard to be my new title here at IGN. It's my next, my next power level over here. Um, and a hello from Nintendo Land. I'm coming over to PlayStation because my Nintendo Switch is currently in the mail. So that's a great opportunity oh, no. to play some Diablo 4 and Final Fantasy 16. Great opportunity to hop on a PlayStation podcast. And of course, Ben Watts from IGN Social Team, uh, who you, has also been on the show, but I don't think we've ever done a show together. We haven't, we haven't, but I'm intensely jealous of News Wizard. So uh, if we can find another title that would be appropriate for me, uh, some sort of promotion would be great. Then. So let's social let's media that the show. I think we could do Ooh. that. Uh, cool. So I want to get into this. I feel like the dust has kind of settled on the big, you know, tentpole summer video game news week festival, gaming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, you know, in hindsight, I don't I don't think it was a particularly good one for Sony as far as first party stuff goes. But I don't want to start on too much of a down note. So I figured we could talk about some of the cool stuff that came out of it and things that we were particularly excited about. Uh, Khalif, let's start with you. What what did you check out? What got revealed? What uh, what really jumped out at you from the past couple of weeks of big announcements? I mean, there have been so many things. The Starfield Direct was was a monster. That was super, super cool. I mean, I personally, as you can see behind me, was very, very excited for MK1 and got some hands on with that, which was brilliant and amazing and, and super fun. One of my favorite games I got a chance to check out that, that really surprised me was thirsty suitors from outer loop so there was a ton of stuff just at the show this year that i felt like really pulled together like this year and next year are going to be some monster years for gaming and it was it was just a blast being able to see everybody again and and go give hugs and and, and go get drinks and hang out with folks and, and check out some really fun games so there we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into, into those specific games if we have time but i think it, it is really really cool to see the stuff that's kind of coming down the pipeline for us yeah yeah totally cat what was what was the big standout for you hmm. there are a couple. Uh, I think the big one for me was definitely the Ubisoft Star Wars game, Star Wars Outlaws, which we've been awaiting for quite a while to see this one. 
And I think it made a really good impression. And Ubisoft has been really needing a win in recent months slash years. So it's great to see that it's looking terrific. I mean, it's basically what Watch Dogs 2, but with the Star Wars skin and some space combat. That's that's cool. I'm into it. I'm cool to have another bounty hunter game after kind of a long time. Uh, It looks really fun. I tend to be a little skeptical of Ubisoft games as a rule because I'm not that big of a Far Cry fan. I'm not that big of an Assassin's Creed fan. And usually when I end up actually playing them, I'm like, oh, this isn't as cool as I was expecting. But I was watching the trailer and I was like, oh, I'm into this. I'm, I'm in. So let's see what we've got. I have to say I was a big fan of Battlefront 2. Ultimately, I I like Jedi Survivor, but I'm actually really happy to see a new studio have kind of their own take on Star Wars after EA has had it for like a decade or so. So this this one is going to be uh, really interesting when it eventually comes out next year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ben, you you also were into Outlaws, yeah? Oh, massively. Yeah. So I am uh, an Assassin's Creed and a Far Cry fan. So coming from that Coming from that family, I, I'm really excited to see exactly how this game plays, how open the world actually is and getting and moving between that world. I know, uh, you know, the bike looks really cool, but like and when we're taking off from planet to planet, what's the exploration like? Where, what am I going to get to see? What am I going to organically discover when I'm going through the galaxy that I will get to explore? Um, but I think the game that I feel like we're ignoring here which probably was the biggest one of the whole the whole shebang is Foam Stars, and I don't know why we're not talking about it. More. <laughs> <laughs> really had a great showing. I can't wait to get my hands on it, and I know it sounds like I'm being facetious, and I, I'm only half being facetious because I am actually genuinely excited for that game. I think it just looks like uh, a, a lot of fun, even if it is just. Uh, that's a reskin. I love that we just we really just jerked the wheel hard there. We got to talk about foam stars again. Uh, Khalif Cat, did either of you get a chance to actually play this? Because it was it was playable on, I think. It was the hit foam of the show, stars. right? Yeah. 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 Foam star foam stars was actually a really big surprise for me too. Like I I'm I'm with you on that, on that, Ben. I think for me it was the thing that I came away from was like oh, this isn't a Splatoon clone in the ways that everyone kind of just like barked at it when they saw it initially. It was It's actually a ton of fun, makes you think about the way you're going to play it in a different way than you would Splatoon. And just like, it's very, really pretty. It's It makes me think that they should have just called it Foam Stars Ibiza. And that would have been a really good <laughs> space for that thing to have landed for the marketing. But I'm really excited for it. It looks dope. Kat, did I, you have I'm any sorry thoughts to be a Foam Stars? Okay. I'm sorry to be a skeptic. Um, I'm glad to see that it's making a good impression, but I do think that a lot, it's really, really, really hard to establish a service game in this day and age. And there have been a lot of service games that have been very well received only to close in like a year. And mm-hmm. this seems like a case study in a game that will come out and people will go, wow, Foam Stars is pretty fun. And then everybody will kind of move on with their lives. And the next thing you know, if you're like, boom, starts is shutting down its servers and moving on with <laughs> their lives. And that will just be another game that's lost. I, It looks like fun just watching the, the gameplay. Uh, I love jetting around on the foam and everything. I love the aesthetic. I love the vibe. But uh, And it was cool to see that it made such a great impression at SGF. But gosh, it's so hard these days to launch a, a service game. And I just don't 
think that Square Enix has the, the wherewithal or the patience to really support this one. Uh, they have this weird kind of scattershot approach to um, releasing and, and announcing and releasing games with like virtually zero marketing or all of the marketing and home stars seems it's going to be like maybe in the former category. Yeah. No, to your point, like mm. one of the bigger announcements or not the bigger, one of the announcements from last, last year's summer game, whatever it was, was uh Rumbleverse, which mm-hmm. didn't even make it to one year. I, I'm pretty sure. Am, am I correct in that? Is it, was it Rumbleverse? Is that the one yep. came and went? Yep. Yeah. yeah Rumbleverse they were just like, was, was out of there pretty, pretty quickly in terms of what was the being, dodgeball being game? Shown and then gone. Oh, it Knockout was City. A wrestling, so wrestling. Oh, yeah, Knockout Kings yeah. also ended, but Knockout yeah, Kings uh, was gone was too. Is it Kings or yeah, but I mean, basically, they were yeah. These games, yeah. To your point, Cat, like games as a service is like they're you, you're not you're not selling a game. You're you're building a social media platform, really. And you know, I think the, the obvious comparison for Foam Stars, which yes, we're actually talking about Foam Stars seriously, is. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it looks like a Splatoon, a Splatoon clone. And the key difference is, is, is sure, you could be like, oh, people who want to play Splatoon, but, you know, don't have a Switch or Wii U or whatever. Uh, it's it's also kind of trying to create demand for something that I don't, there wasn't, maybe there are people who are like, I feel left out not being able to play Splatoon. But I don't know who those people are. I feel like if you want to play it's, Splatoon, it's... you probably, yeah. And I mean, Speaking, the whole reason um, that, that has a that has a, f- a following is because the first one launched on Wii U, which didn't really have a lot going on. You know, there wasn't really much competition there. But then I guess it sort of, you know, kind of snowballed or whatever uh, happens with <laughs> Squid <snowballed>. Slime. <laughs> Speaking from a Nintendo perspective, a Splatoon is secretly enormous in Japan. It, it sells tens of millions of copies. It's actually kind of absurd. Uh, how popular it is over there. It's everywhere. And it's obvious to me that Square Enix looked at that and said, well, we should just do that, but we should put it on PlayStation. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, because, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, um, I mean, I, Nintendo Switch is ubiquitous over there, and PS5 is less so. But, I, I mean, they probably said, well, there's a business case for this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, op- the key thing there is that Splatoon, they sell it. It's a it's a game you can physically go out and buy, whereas so many service games are just like, go sign up for the early access beta, and if you maybe give us ten bucks and you can have a new a new hat at launch or whatever. And then, I mean, look at like Multiverses had its beta thing, and then it basically closed up shop, and they're like, we'll be back, and will 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 they? I don't I don't know what's mm. going on there. Um, yeah, no, let's, let's sort of shift gears here. Speaking of like WB owned uh, competitive things uh one that i'm not worried about i'm not too stressed about is is mortal kombat one khalif are you like a long time mortal kombat guy it looks like you have a is that a throw rug i do i have i have a, a an mk logo throw rug behind me uh for folks who, who are watching uh the video version of stuff yeah i'm a huge mk fan and and one seeing uh the mk1 was not going to be a thing after waiting for another realm to talk about their their latest kind of iteration of of the universe and the game had me super excited before i got a chance to get hands-on with it but then when i got hands-on with it it was just the thing that I want the most at this point, I'm 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 biding my time by playing Street Fighter Six right now, and waiting for MK One to drop because what they're doing from a visual perspective is really fresh and new. Just feels like really bright and vibrant in a way that that is kind of changing the way you think about Mortal Kombat from an aesthetic perspective. You know they've they've leveled up what they do from a just like character animation perspective as well. It looks really really fantastic. 
And then the cameo system that they've implemented, which I think is changing the way we we think about Mortal Kombat from a fundamental gameplay perspective, is just going to be really brilliant. Like I, I was talking about this in my in my post uh, SGF content, was saying like this Mortal Kombat is going to be the swaggiest of all of the Mortal Kombat's. It is going to be the one where people, when you watch this at a, at a big fighting game competition like Evo, that's coming up pretty soon, is going to just have the crowd wild every turn i think you know having these new assist characters come in that you knew and love from from being within the games and then them being everything from a combo extender to an air juggle component to something that'll break up throws it just changes up changes up so many different ways that you are thinking about the way you can play mortal Kombat, and it's just going to be really cool to see not only how some of the best players learn how to use these kind of assists and kind of you know implement them within their gameplay but then who are those assist characters going to wind up being? I know we they talked about, you know, Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme being a skin for, for Johnny Cage. But who are going to be, you know, the, the the new combatants that are going to come in? And who are the old folks are going to come back as new characters or, or, or combo uh, characters? I am just infinitely excited for that. And after getting a chance to play it, it just made my hype levels just grow even more. So I, I'm ready and I'm waiting for that bad boy to come out. Yeah, I, this game... I mean, it, Mortal Kombat is such a known quantity, but at the same time, this one really managed to pique my interest. And the mm-hmm. fact that it's a reboot helps, but it does feel like it got a kind of a, a, a refresh visually. And I can't really put my uh-huh. finger on what it what exactly about it is that I think it, it, it is a lot. It's a lot brighter. Like it feels uh-huh. like it's a lot more uh, a kind of cartoony, colorful. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's cartoony, but with it, it's got I feel like more realism in different areas, if that makes sense. Like the yeah, the costumes look more like real costumes. Like Sonya Blade's outfit looks like a photorealistic version of her outfit from the first game, which isn't particularly mm-hmm. something that someone would actually wear, but it works. It totally looks it looks right. And I mean, same with Kate. And none of the physical fatalities or the things that actually. I mean, the the I feel like the bone structure and uh, general logic <laughs> of how human bodies work in those games. That's not even <laughs> up for discussion. That is not realistic in a, by a long shot, but. I don't know. I love that the when the when the assists come in, when the cameos come in, I love that they just run and it's not like a super yeah. cool run. It like looks like a stage hand or like a, a roadie coming out to swap <laughs> guitars. Like it's just this and it has the same kind of dorky run that like oh, the old Mortal Kombat games had when somebody would run where it's like they're just this little jog. And it's, it's something really charming about that for me, which I'm which I'm into. The thing that stuck out yeah. for me, the one little detail in that whole demo, which is exactly how weird my brain is. In the character select screen, uh, Kano just like casually blows a snow uh-huh. rocket. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, that's Kano. that's Kano. That's my that's my uh-huh. guy. That's Kano being himself. He's <laughs> he sucks. He's a jerk. He's terrible. He's a horrible, yeah. disgusting man. And I love it. I'm totally there for it. They're um, pulling in all of that, all of those layers, though. And I, and I, and I love that you kind of brought that up because it does feel like in this reboot from a canon perspective that they are looking at all of the things that made those characters iconic rather than adding that little extra layer of special sauce to kind of flip the the canon and 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 in ways that we haven't seen yet so i'm excited to see what they're going to land on the campaign stuff because they've done that extremely well over the past couple of games and now we get a chance to see like how they flipped those things on its head and and, and kano was still a jerk so so those things are, are are consistent across the universe I love it. Kat, do you have any strong feelings about Mortal Kombat? The thing that I find interesting about Mortal Kombat is that it's kind of the fighting game for the people. So often it comes out, it sells really, really well. Uh, There's a lot of hype around it. People play through the, actually, 
really excellent single player campaign. I think that's where it really stands out is that frequently it has just a better single player campaign than virtually any fighting game that is out there. But then uh, Mortal Kombat frequently struggles to have staying power at the major fighting game events. So this is going to be, so when it comes out um, and it's at the next Evo, it's going to be um, an interesting test. So obviously it won't be out this summer, but maybe next year. It'll be an interesting test to see whether it has a lot more staying power because it has a really dedicated community. People absolutely love Mortal Kombat. But what always stands out to me is it's a little bit like the Call of Duty of fighting games in a way in that there is a huge contingent of people who just buy it, play through the campaign, maybe play with their friends and go, wow, that was a lot of fun, Ooh. and then move on with their lives. On Ooh, the flip whole, side, as Khalif was saying, there's a, whole, there's a whole podcast dedicated to Mortal Kombat lore. So... This this rabbit hole goes deep, so to speak. No, that's a really interesting point because, like, yeah, so many fighting games are, do kind of live and die by their by the hardcore like you know fighting game scene. And I don't know, that's yeah. This I feel like Mortal Kombat manages to kind of capture other corners of that, whether it's the sort of the casual player or the people who are there for like the kind of you know the lore, the story. Yeah, uh, Ben uh, is Mortal fighting Kombat... games are known for not being accessible, and maybe Mortal Kombat does that better than a lot of fighting games so i think it's I think so. to I mean, be they, kind of respected they've always that. been good about like to the point that they're they're fun to watch like they've been very mm -hmm. good about reward like, like letting you get a little treat even if you suck like even if you're really bad at the game you can like i don't know i always love that the x-ray moves are like pretty easy to pull off and like i feel like that you can do some really neat stuff with the with the cameos that aren't going to be you know it's going to be fun to look at without you know and some people are looking at like like frame data and like that's the thrill for them is like very granular like you know extremely hardcore information that average mortals can't comprehend but like i don't know <laughs> it works on two levels and i think that's i think that's cool uh ben mortal Kombat thoughts yeah no look i'm not a, necessarily like a fighting game guy in the way that you speak of it in regards to competition and everything like that so i i am all in on the mortal Kombat franchise as if from Mortal Kombat 11. Now we get rid of one of those ones and we'll go back to Mortal Kombat 1. And this is really feels more like not, it, it doesn't stay as close to those fighting game traditions where it is built around that competition rather than it feels like a triple A single player game so much of the time. And where that's where it's elevated through the story, through its cinematics. And I can't wait to play the single, the single player campaign of this game. And getting all those fatalities and getting those cuts. And I remember, you know, the classic like PS1 days of like Tekken fighting all my way to the end just to get that cutscene. That's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just wanted the cutscene. I wasn't good enough in the fighting game. I just need to get through. And this just gives you all the cutscene, tells a really compelling story. And so for not a fighting game fan like me, I cannot wait to play and see what it's all about and just feel that just gruesome blood just kind of dripping down the screen i want it all thank you very much i'm into it um let's talk diablo 4 we haven't really touched on that on the the regular show as far as i know but a couple of you are playing that uh cat you were just you were just telling us about that before we started recording what's what's up with diablo 4 how, how are we feeling on that now that the kind of the dust has settled post launch on on some of that yeah. Um, so for context, my background with Diablo is I kind of got started with Diablo 3, actually. And I played through 
that game. Um, multiple different characters, really enjoyed Reaper of Souls. And then I played the Diablo 2 remaster, and now I'm here in Diablo 4. And it's the contrast is really striking with Diablo 4. It is a really kind of bloody, horrifying, very kind of grim RPG, especially compared to Diablo 3, which had... I know people criticize the art style. I thought it was mostly fine, but it was a lot more aligned with World of Warcraft than I think Diablo 4 is. And I'm digging it, honestly. I, I think it has a great personality in that regard. Also, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful game. I'm playing on PC, actually. Sorry, PlayStation podcasters. Um, and it looks absolutely fantastic on there. I love that it has crossplay. Um, I'm actually going to be firing up a co-op game tonight and I'm going to be rolling up a Diablo, a Diablo, a Druid uh, to be playing with a couple of my friends who are playing on console. And uh, it's been really striking to me to watch Diablo 4. When it was coming out around this year, I was like, yeah, Diablo 4, it's also one of those games. And it's quickly become, I would say, the biggest game of the summer. And I think that Blizzard, honestly, while there are definite uh, community gripes about how they're handling nerfing, XP grinding, and everything like that, Blizzard has mostly done a pretty good job of making sure that this launch has been relatively smooth. Certainly compared to Diablo 3, where it became a whole yeah. meme about how all the servers weren't working. They had to do wholesale changes to many of the kind of touted features like the real-life auction house. And just out of the gate, Diablo 4 seems exponentially more better thought out uh the launch has been so much smoother and there's obviously plenty to work out but i've been really really enjoying my time with it playing a barbarian level 12 right now and firing up another character really soon sweet khalif are you playing diablo at all yeah i i and ditto to to everything that the cat shared i think this is my first real diablo i played a little bit of diablo 3 but didn't really dig my 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 feet into to the sands there but now i'm this is taking over my life i i used to know what sunlight looks like i don't know what it looks like anymore i don't i don't know what to do with my life besides wake up and think about how can i min max my my barbarian uh, that i'm playing with currently well, you're playing and a barbarian is, too oh Barbarians yeah fun. oh yeah you got it it's, Barbarians yeah, it's are really fun yeah. Yeah. Sorcerers, you all suck. I still, I see all you. Out there. <laughs> I, 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 Sorcerers are barbarians, now. I guess, and rogue. Rogue's popular too. Yeah, rogue, rogue is super fun. I, I was gonna roll a rogue at first, and then saw some really cool powers on the barbarian tree, and started to roll that way. I'm currently rolling. I'm currently what sixty three or something like that uh, in my in my run. But Dang. I think it's been. I, it's been something that I think is like my go to bed game now. I usually have one of those per per season. You know, it used to be you know predecessor for on the MOBA side but now it's kind of been Diablo and I'm just having so much fun with it like again as a person who hadn't really like dug into the systems and all of those layers before now kind of having an understanding of what I'm trying to do and that I'm playing kind of in that late game uh space um it, it now feels like I am trying to do the the numbers game part of it that I know so many folks really really love in these spaces and that part although you know, frustrating at times because you're just like waiting for that God roll to hit. It, you're just waiting for that piece of loot to drop. I understand the addiction in a way that I didn't know before. And, and to, to, to get to that level, Blizzard has just dropped a really fantastic campaign. I think that's the thing that has been sticking with me when playing with other folks who, are, who haven't gotten to that past 50 level and going back through some of the content with them to level them up has been to see just how 
beautiful and smart and interesting the character of Lilith has become or or is, you know, how that is kind of infusing itself into where you're thinking about your character and kind of the minions of darkness that you're you're playing through in this kind of grim dark uh, fantasy space. And it just feels really good to feel like you can just go into a room and just decimate everything that you that's in that space. That when you get feeling. to that level, it feels really, really cool. So I, you know, I'm I'm just digging it, and and I'm just lost so many hours at this point to this game. It's really fun. You have to love yeah. the people who've rolled up hardcore characters and have accidentally yeah. lost them oh. to server outages. Uh oh. Oh, it hurts. That's oh. the worst Brutal. thing ever. Ben, yeah. are you playing Diablo I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. I've I've only just scratched the surface. I'm I'm like only like a level ten. I am a rogue and I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous game because this is also my first uh, Diablo. So I'm like very. Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly where my place will be in in the series because generally, again, not having any Diablo experience, um, I. I I don't know if it's going to be long-term a game for me. I don't know if I am going to push upwards, you know, get to the level 50s and beyond. Um, but I'm right now I'm having fun, but I really want to play it with other people. That's I think mm. that's going to be where the fun clicks in for me. Um, all, all I can say is, like, this is a really well-put-together game. Will it be for me? One time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's daunting. It's it's a pretty, pretty massive thing. I, yeah, I've... It, you've been traveling and, and meandering and really, I really want to mess with this, but I'm also kind of scared about how <laughs> deep and addicting I know it is, you know, like it's one of those, like, uh -huh. do I want to, do I want to try freebasing? Do I want to get into that? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good idea? They say once you try crack once. <laughs> yeah. Right, what could go wrong? You know, I don't know, but it's, no, it's fascinating to me. How many of you, I mean, all of you, this is, this is like your, your, your first, Real Diablo experience, with all due respect to Diablo 3, but I always hated how, like, candy-coated that was and how hilarious. I love the original Diablo 2. It's so, it's so, it's so gnarly. Like, it's such a wonderfully, like, dark, dark fantasy. Like, just, I love how metal it is. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I remember sort of just trying to be like, hey, 3, all right. Uh, uh. <laughs> Not only that, but Diablo 2 is probably one of the most influential RPGs ever made. Um, yeah. because it gave us so much of what we associate with RPGs these days. So skill trees kind of came out of the Diablo series. They were appropriated from strategy games and turned into a Diablo thing. Socketed items, uh, just color-coded loot, which became even more popularized by World of Warcraft. And then there is a Diablo popularized basically this flavor of RPG, and there are a lot of RPG fans there's a certain class of RPG fans to this day who kind of grumble and go, oh, Diablo, it's not really an RPG, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you just can't deny the appeal of playing in real time. That was the big thing in the mid-90s. And uh, being able to kind of min-max your character to the point where they're destroying entire rooms of enemies is turned I out mean, to it's, be a it's timeless a, formula. It's Gauntlet with a PhD. Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah. It's I feel like arcadey <laughs> yeah. at its core, but it's got like that if you really want to get into the RPG side of it and like the min maxing and the stats and the items and all that and the loot and it's but it's still like we, it's yeah. We were talking about SGF. I mean Path of Exile 2 was also shown very yeah. briefly during Summer Game Fest, and it's gonna be really interesting to see because uh Path of Exile kind of rose up on the back of Diablo 3 being disappointing. Can Path of Exile 2 be a real competitor? to Diablo 4. I think competition's good, so I'm excited to yeah. see what comes of that. 
This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. No, that's good stuff. Um, now, going back to the gaming announcement side of things, I want to touch on this briefly because I and I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't want to be a downer, but I feel like this was really pretty uh, kind of an embarrassing showing for Sony this year. Uh, mm. You know, they had that big Sony showcase, and I think the, myself and the regular cast we were pretty amped about it when we kind of came out of it. Uh, and I think that was just sort of, yes, there's the things are on things. There's things to talk about. There are games getting announced and stuff. But in hindsight, we're like. Oh, that was uh, that was a lot of stuff. That's also, you know, it's it's cross platform. There was there was very there was a very small first party showing in that particular showcase. Uh, there was a big hardware reveal for the the Project Q, which feels like it's <laughs> not quite there yet. And I don't know if there is a place anyone wants to go. Uh, Naughty Dog's big summer announcement is that the multiplayer Last of Us is uh, 
they're kind of they're they're simultaneously getting back to work on it but also work like devoting less some i don't it's just not great. Uh, the PlayStation VR, which apparently is selling better than the previous iteration, you know, comparatively speaking, uh, hasn't gotten really any first party like reveals. Like they they had a they had their big showcase, which would be a good place to maybe be like, hey, here's a here's some you know here's Astrobot's uh, divorce cruise or whatever. I don't know what his next adventure is, but something <laughs> big like that. And it was a bunch of it was a bunch of third party games for PS4, which is cool and everything. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, what's how is Sony supporting its own its own hardware? That's kind of wild. Um, you know, obviously we have we have the big huge. Uh, I mean, I think the the biggest PSVR two thing on the way is you know RE4 VR, like that's the biggest sort of AAA known quantity. And even that is like we we got a showing for that just recently at Capcom's thing, and it was like the same footage. And it's like, so even when we're getting like third party support on another third, on a third party stream, it's like kind of, kind of lackluster. And then Sony's like dropping announcements here and there on the blog. They're basically burying them. They announced a couple of new PSVR games, but it's like, why didn't you just take the PSVR stuff out of that showcase and give it its own little, uh, you know, showcase or state of play or whatever. Um, we got our first look at Destiny's next, or not Destiny, Bungie's, Bungie's first new project under Sony. And it's, it's cross-platform, which is great for everybody, but at the same time, I think it's kind of, um, I don't know, it, and it was a CG trailer. Like, it was sort of this kind of, like, lackluster announcement. But uh, the, the the sort of punchline to all this, though, is that Sony's, like, in first place console sales-wise, so maybe that's the way to go about it? Like, am I crazy here? What did, what did you all think of this, of sort of how Sony's been showcasing everything this year? Khalif, let's, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I I was, and it's it, it's hard because it's like if you you have to do the hindsight version of it right it's like having seen something that was really well produced in the xbox uh showcase that that really just nailed all the things that were pacing content all of those things it makes you go back and look at that sony showcase and say man the ball was dropped here like there was a space to really like do the the 360 dunk on your competition and they they didn't do it because they went first uh and it feels like that that ability to kind of go first and not have everything kind of be in that space exactly when you needed it to be there, both from a we're ready to show it and we're ready to talk about it conversation. Just put them in a really weird spot. Like there were some interesting, you know, games that got shown within that um, in that showcase, like Neva and 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 a bunch of other games. Foam Stars. But I love Foam, foam, foam Stars. Yeah. Game of the year. Foam Stars. Game of the year. But it just felt it feels like the thing that Sony does really, really well from a marketing perspective. It feels like they have missed a couple of beats here and there about what is an ex, what is a, a player who's excited in your ecosystem want to know about? They want to know about dates. They want to know about gameplay. They want to know about when they can touch a thing and when they're going to be able to see something new that's going to really showcase the power of the machine that they wind up purchasing. And, and games like Teardown, as much as I love them and they're really cool, that's not the game that I want to see to be the thing that's going to get me to talk about, hey, I'm going to be able to play this with my friends at X date and say, hey, are we going to squat up and do this or what? They just didn't yeah. nail that part of the the equation in the conversation. And I think the the games that we know we're going to do really really well, we know they're going to do well. Final Fantasy, we know is going to be in that conversation in a big way. But the other stuff that they could have pulled out of their bag, or you know, that one more thing. The one more thing was a was a was a device that no one is going to buy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, the one more the, thing the was, that... was fifteen minutes of Spider Man, which looks awesome. But then we were all like, release date, release date, release date, and it was like fall, and we're like, 
okay and then they saved that yeah. for, for keely's thing which just i don't know that was obviously someone drove Have a, a little bone truck keely for... here you go yeah yeah, uh, I, but yeah. even that though, right? Is like we also know that like Insomniac doesn't miss, so like that's not a surprise for anyone who's in the yeah. PlayStation ecosystem. They already knew that that game was coming, and we all know that that game is going to be good. It's gonna the the question they could have answered there is like, does this game do something again different on the hardware that is something that you haven't seen before? And if you look at that game, the answer is for me at least not really. Like I think it it looks fantastic. It's going to have that sparkle and that polish that we already know Insomniac puts on their games. But there wasn't anything within the, even that sequence that I was like, "Holy crap! This mm-hmm. is the reason why I have purchased this machine, and this is the thing that it's doing from an OS perspective, from a gameplay perspective, from a new DualSense Elite controller perspective." Like there are so many things that are in that PlayStation ecosystem that I think is really important that they could be showing across PlayStation VR and the hardware. We're just not seeing that yet. And I don't know if that's a if that's a problem with the sorry, if that's a problem with the games or if that's a problem with things sure, just not yeah. being ready yet. Right. So yeah. so we'll see. I think there's gonna be a part of that yeah. conversation that we really need to dig into. Kat, what do you think about Sony's presence this summer? I think people need to chill the heck out <laughs> about this. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, if I'm looking at the upcoming schedule for the PlayStation 5, we've got Spider-Man coming out in September, and that's obviously going to sell a zillion units. And there's going to be all of the major third-party temples. People are going to be playing their FIFAs and their Call of Duties. They haven't shown Call of Duty, really, but we know that we're basically getting another Modern Warfare. And they could have shown it on looking Sony's beyond thing, I'm that, just saying, maybe they could have shown that off. That would have been a cool reveal. I don't even eh, give, I don't really care about Call of Duty. That I much, think that, that been... maybe they're... Okay, I'll, I'll get to the parts that I think uh, Sony probably is causing a, lo- a little bit of alarm in a second. Like looking ahead, like Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, that's a that's a pretty solid exclusive coming up early next year. Like the cadence of games coming to PlayStation Five is pretty solid. Where I would worry as a PlayStation uh, fan is that there was a lot of games as a service in this uh, particular showcase. From uh, Jade, uh, it was a Jade Raymond's game uh, that was shown at the very beginning, which frankly I did not think looked very good, to Marathon, which is a huge bummer that one of the best single player FPSs ever is being turned into a games of service. That's too bad. And I think that there was a decent number of people who were like, well, show me a new single player prestige game from a Sony first party studio that I can be excited about. And frankly, even a thing like Ghost of Tsushima 2, I think would have gotten people going, okay, yeah. And like, I get it that people are going, hey, like it's been a while since we've had a showcase and we want to see what's going to be happening into the next year and beyond. Get me excited about owning this thing because frankly, this generation hasn't been much so far. But I have to say like the doom saying about Sony going into the next year, the PS5 is Frankly, it's doing incredibly. And the in the short term, the games are there. Talk to me no, no, next spring. Exactly. Like it's it's they're doing fine. They're doing great. So there's not really any reason to like criticize this. But as you know, as someone who has to make a PlayStation show every week, it is a little frustrating that you know when <laughs> you know when like if you if you give someone a really crappy gift that's obviously phoned in, it's worse than no gift at all. Like, that's kind of what the showcase felt. It's like, hey, man, I got you half a sleeve of Oreos for your birthday. You're like, thanks. I think. Wow. Like, 
Here are these you hey, socks. I got you a, <laughs> got you a fi- uh, five pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade. I drank one on the way over. You're like, all right. Hey, I, I'm a Nintendo I fan. I know about software gaps. I just have to say. Yeah. yeah. Can I jump in on that last point that they cat had really quick about the games of service part? And I, and I agree with you, Cat. I think the 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 Sony's doing well in terms of what the expectations are, what we're going to get delivered from from that conversation. I think the thing that Sony fans and 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 every fan at this point in the gaming space is really thinking about is we do have a deluge of games that are dropping all the time. And I feel like the conversations between what is a game of service and that also now just being automatically kind of given a negative tone from a lot of players, which I think is a a, a um, re-education moment for the gaming industry to try to figure out good ways to talk about games of services as a benefit for, for players and then showcase them and prove that out, which I think is still in the mix. But I do think that like for Sony, there were some missed potential opportunities there, like could we get an update on Wolverine? Could we get an update on some other games that we knew were, were in the ecosystem? Because we know stuff is going to drop end of this year, beginning of next and middle of next year. I think the things that people are still trying to figure out for themselves is to say, past all those things that we already know are going to be known entities, we still do want that little bit of icing on the cake to figure out, like, what's the future of the platform going to look like in a way? Because I don't think Sony has done that. It hasn't, hasn't really broached that conversation well yet. There, there's a lot of, pieces to that puzzle that they've dropped with VR and I'm, I'm excited that they're continuing to do VR and they're continuing to put out interesting hardware, both on the accessibility space and on the controller space with DualSense. But I do still think that there's a conversation there that is still to be had from the PlayStation platform. That's like consistently, what are you going to get? Where are the places that's going to be? There's a layer of that conversation that's still in that mix of like, what does PlayStation plus bring to all of this and how do we actually market this in a way that's compelling and doesn't feel like it's kind of, you know, uh, just thrown out there. There's a lot of still weird, un, unspoken and, and unfigured out kind of layers to that ecosystem that I think would be great to have clarification on from the platform. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah, a little part. communication uh, would be yeah. nice. Ben, are we being too pessimistic? Am I being too pessimistic? What do you think? No, I think, look, it feels like to me this was a um, presentation written by an algorithm to be the most <laughs> kind of <laughs> functional presentation to show you just enough games, just enough variations of different genres of games so that it, it kind of appeals to everyone. I think the biggest confusions are around the PSVR 2 and all, all the VR uh, games that they showcased all looked very similar. You know, they're all, everyone has a gun in their hand. There's no, there's no VR experience where nobody's holding a gun, um, which is, you know, I will take a bow and arrow. Give me another horizon <laughs> call of the mountain. Um, and then the hardware reveal, which again, I last time I was on Beyond, I went pretty hard on Project Q for being the weirdest device for a, for an audience that doesn't exist. Um, I, why even reveal it? I don't know what the thinking was behind that. I, did they? Is is it just like just throw it out and see if anybody shows any interest, and then we'll kind of tweak it to become what people want? If you want a Steam Deck competitor, or if that's what you're going for. You know, if, if that's what you want to be, or if you just want a little device that people carry around their home and take to bed, all right, that's fine. It's more I'll, like a I'll... backbone competitor. I yeah. Think. Yeah. But yeah, they also make stuff for that too. Smart. Like, yeah, yeah right. you can get the PlayStation controllers for the backbone as well. Like, I don't know. It, it, it was just, a, it was just bizarre, but I don't think they needed to do anymore. And I know there were rumors that came out, you know, that there are bigger games that they have in their arsenal that they were ready to show that they just chose not to. And they are rumors, mm-hmm. but these presentations, this, is, this isn't an E3 presentation. 
There is, you don't have to fly people out. There's no putting on stage. You have to build the presentation itself, but the millions of dollars it costs to like put on an E3 presentation, they could do another one later in the year. I know I, I, I was, I was, I'm optimistic. I said, mm -hmm. last time I was on Christmas is when you sell consoles. So if you hit, if you hit everybody at the end of the year with, oh, you just played Spider-Man. Have you heard of all these other games we've got coming down? Merry Christmas to all. I mean, I'd accept like a big, huge showcase in September. And I think they've done stuff like that before. I feel like we were having these same conversations leading into the launch of the PS5. We're like, can we see it? Where is it? I want to see it. How big is it? And the answer is it's huge. And we eventually saw it. And I think that was like later in the summer kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's also, there's something to be said for, you know, third-party games that have a kind of an association with, uh, you know, with the PlayStation, you know, ecosystem, family, whatever. Uh, and it's, I don't know, we got, we got our big, uh, we got our big Final Fantasy reveal at the end of Jeff Keighley's thing. And, you know, business is business, but it was, I don't know, I feel like that could have been a good, a good place to put that. Can I, um, can I just say that, uh, yes, we all cover this for a living and it's good, uh, you know, when we have something to get excited about and talk about, but the way that the hype engine has become like everything where people mm. are just like, yeah, yeah, these games are coming out, but what's next? I need to know what's coming up next so that I can look forward to what's coming out in 24, 2024 and 2025. I, I just want to point out that PlayStation fans are eating right now. Friggin' Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, and Street Fighter 6 are coming out right now. And you go, well, 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 so one of those is a third-party exclusive and the others are multi-plat. Those are all amazing games <laughs> that you can play. Don't Just tell play me them, where people. I can and can't Come move on. my goalposts. I want to move them over there. <laughs> it's easier to kick the goals. Come on. Come on. Play. There are lots of games out right now. No, you're you're 100 right. Like it is, it is definitely like looking a gift horse in the mouth. I guess it's just sort of weird because everyone's super excited about everything coming out of you know, like Xbox had a really cool show, and it it honestly felt like they understand that they're people who care about that brand. And you know, to a, a Devolver did the same thing. And I, you know, Summer Game Fest was a little bit weird. Capcom thing was all over the place. Uh, Ubisoft <laughs> had a sea shanty. They're not all perfect, but I I feel Xbox like you know, needed I, a home run. They did. They, yeah, sure. They yeah, no, they, they badly they, they needed did. a home run. PlayStation. Is kind of you know? it's doing fine. Like God of War, Ragnarok, God of War, Ragnarok, yeah. and Elden Ring were two of the biggest games of last year, and they're in many ways associated with PlayStation. You know, you're totally right. Maybe we do love PlayStation enough that it can give us half a sleeve of Oreos for our birthday, and we won't be mad about it. You know, I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll take it. Uh, now, real quick, Kat, I want to hear about Armored Core Six. You are a, I think you are the big Armored Core fan in the office, and you got a chance to 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 check the check the game out, right? Yeah. Um, well, they had a hands-off demo. They haven't actually been able to show playable yet. I would expect that relatively soon because Armored Core 6 is coming along really fast. And the main takeaways have been, oh, El From Software decided to make an Armored Core game. And my takeaway is, From Software decided to make an Armored Core game? Yes. Um, because like, I think there's this expectation that From Software is going to make, I don't know, mech souls. And it's obvious that Armored <laughs> Core 6 is borrowing a decent amount from the more recent action games like Sekiro. They have a, uh, a build-up gauge, uh, basically a stagger gauge, where if you hit enemies long enough, uh, they'll eventually be staggered, and then you can uh, do large amounts of damage. Uh, but the things that are the most important to Armored Core, especially the customization, are very much in evidence, and it's obvious that the levels are really, really big. And um, I think it's pretty cool that you start out on the outside, you're coming in, there's like a little bit of a stealth aspect as you're coming down on the enemies, raining missiles on them and everything as we're seeing in the B-roll right now. 
And then you're delving deeper and deeper into this superstructure. There are robots waiting for it within. There are ACs to fight. And then you can, if you die, you can change the build of your mech pretty much immediately. Uh, it actually seems more forgiving in terms of checkpointing than um, other Armored Core games. But the thing that you have to understand about Armored Core 6 is that Armored Core has historically been a multiplayer franchise. So going back to Armored Core 2 and Armored Core on the PlayStation 1, those were couch games. They were split screen, play against your friends, build up your mech, try and experiment with different builds. And so I think the thing that we have not seen yet that will be really interesting to see is what does Armored Core 6 PvP actually look like? Modern Armored Core 6 PvP. Because Armored Core mm. 5 was, it was interesting. It was really experimental. It was maybe too, too big for what it actually try, wanted to be. But Armored Core 6 might actually have a user base by comparison. And yeah, so I think that a lot of my questions will be answered once I actually see what the, the multiplayer looks like. Well, some of the stuff you said there actually kind of puts my mind at ease because like the thing I really love about FromSoft is the environments. Like I love exploring mm -hmm. those worlds and hearing that there's that they're they're big environments and there's a lot of verticality and kind of just, you know, nooks and crannies to poke around in. That's that's good to hear. You know, I don't know. I was, yeah. I was for some reason I hearing it's like a mission based thing as opposed to sort of an open world experience. I was worried it was going to be like sort of more you just get you get plopped down and you go from point A to point B as fast as you can for the highest possible score or whatever but yeah is... the demo that they showed was you start out you're working your way into the superstructure and then at the end there's a big boss the the Roomba from hell with like these big spinning <laughs> like spikes and they're trying to hit you and it's spewing lava and this seemed like in a an appropriately scaled um enemy uh that you would be fighting in a, a from software game i think that i don't think it's going to win the recently converted Elden Ring fans over to the Armored Core franchise. I don't. At the same time, hey, good job from software. I'm proud of you for making an Armored Core-ass Armored Core game. Let's go. <laughs> good. Cool. I'm into it. Yeah, so we don't have to wait long <laughs> for that. That's out, what, like August 25th, which is wild. Yeah, very soon, uh, actually. Yeah. No, I really like that turnaround of, like, announcement to reveal to, you know, the release is coming up and there's still stuff we don't know. I feel like that's... You know, that keeps keeps everyone's attention. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of getting people's attention, one thing that probably will jump out at you if you're in Hawaii is a butt naked man with uh, Yakuza tattoos washing up on the <laughs> beach, which is what the reveal for Yakuza or I guess Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is, which is the sequel to Like a Dragon, which is technically uh, the main line, the ninth uh, Yakuza entry. Um, but it's still, I think, like the best. I think it's the, maybe the best reveal trailer ever. I, I keep thinking about this. Not not because the naked guy, just because the overall sort of presentation, the whole thing. Um, here here's some reasons that I think this is just this is swinging for the fences and totally just deserved. This is the ninth mainline entry in the series. Uh, this franchise does not need people's approval. It is doing what it wants to do. And uh, if you're not if you're not interested, then go to hell. You know, this is they don't they don't even they're not even they're not even trying to impress people. They're just like, yeah, here's a video of a guy on a beach and he's not wearing clothes. Guess what? It's an Austin Powers joke. Yeah, and that's it is the best time is the best version of this Austin Powers joke since I don't know that original Austin Powers joke. Like it's just the gag of like get, what if there were things in the foreground blocking his genitals? Ha ha ha. Anyway, rinse and repeat. Um mm -hmm. I don't know. I like that. I appreciate that. Um 
definitely following the wonderful tradition of uh, a naked guy on a beach that was uh, Death Stranding. You know, uh, I love mm-hmm. you just love. A, I love the, the confidence of a track. I don't even know if that was supposed to be a parody of that, of just, hey, it's a naked guy on a beach causing confusion. Definitely different tone and pacing from Death Stranding. Whatever. That's a very uh, short list of games that do that. It's pretty much those two. Um, these games are actually that weird. I feel like sometimes you get trailers that are super goofy and off offbeat, and then you play the actual game, and you're like, oh, that was just really good marketing. Uh, this is only slightly weird and goofy. These games are absolutely, absolutely bonkers. Kat, you mentioned a Roomba from Hell and Armored, Armored Core. You literally fight a Roomba the size of a car in the last one, and you can do it <laughs> using sex toys because these games are completely wackadoo. Uh, also... I don't know a damn thing about this game. I don't know what they're doing with it or where it's going, but that I feel like that is just, just what a wonderful, just perfect, like, you know, five course meal of just incoherent themes mixed together to make something that I, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if anybody saw this trailer and hadn't been paying attention to this series and is suddenly going, hold on now, what's going on here? congratulations you have taken your first step into a much larger world because it was always i don't know i always thought yakuza was just uh you know very serious tough guy stuff and then i saw a couple trailers where there was like weird goofy stuff in the margins and i was like this is interesting and it was like a weird <laughs> gift that popped up on twitter that sold me on the series and i fell madly in love with it so yeah i don't know the, the naked man on the beach trailer if it piques your interest give it a shot you might enjoy yourself thank you for coming I bet to you my that butt sold at least one more copy <laughs> that game i bet <laughs> hold on now this game has uh, butt cheeks in it. Sign me up. Where do I pre-order? Let me see this. Hey. If this isn't the exact <laughs> gameplay, I, this is the, it has to be the intro that leads into you running around looking for pants. Uh, that's what, that's the game I'm fully on board with. I, w- I wouldn't put it past them. You know, I, I feel like that is extremely possible. Uh, the weird thing <laughs> is that they, the last one that was a fully, they had a fully localized English dub. Uh, you could typically do it in English or, you know, or in Japanese audio. This seems like it's going to have both. So if he washes up and you have it in English dub, is he going to be speaking English and everyone in like all the blonde women are just going to be speaking Japanese to him? That's going to be a quandary. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see. I'm dying to know more about this one. Um, thankfully, it's not coming out this year because enough stuff already is. Um, anyway, we uh, we are about at time here, but I wanted to thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, Khalif, where can people find you? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast to be able to rock with y'all and, and hang out with the Beyond crew and everybody on the PlayStation side of the fence. Uh, you can check out my work uh, at Spawn on Me on every podcast platform. We're doing a lot of fun stuff over on Spotify, so go please check that stuff out there. You can check out our Twitch channel where we do our live show, usually every Wednesday around 6 p.m. PST at twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me, and also putting up a lot of our content on our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Spawn on Me is where you can go check out all of that good stuff there. I've been playing a lot of of fighting games uh, and and playing a lot of MOBAs, and now I'm going to be playing some more Diablo while I try to figure out my character, so please go check out that stuff and more of my work. Nice. Uh, Kat, you're on NVC, IGN's regular Nintendo podcast. You also do, you flex a little bit of your RPG knowledge here. You also do a podcast on the side called Axe of the Blood God, which I I applaud the name right there. Uh, Where else can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. And Max, you mentioned that uh, I have an RPG podcast. It's RPG season. We're talking about Diablo 4 and Final Fantasy 16 RPG fans are eating right now. So we're having a great time. But yeah, in in the meantime, go check me out on IGN.com. I'm the news wizard, apparently. So just plenty to cover right now. 
And then there's our social media palette. And Ben, you and Jeffrey just had a good time kind of yapping over the uh, the recent game stuff. Where where can people regularly catch you? Yeah, well, you can catch uh, my face everywhere. That's IGN is on social media, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, or anywhere else. Or if you can follow me directly, it's Benny Watts everywhere. So there you go. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for joining me. Uh, I'll be back here next week. Who's going to join me? That's anyone's guess. But on that note, beyond. Everyone has to say beyond. Oh, beyond. There we go. Perfect. Nailed (laughs) it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.